that building full of grace, I dreamt that I was with the devil below in his great big fiery hall, where the devil was giving a ball. I checked my coat and hat and started gazing at the merry crowd who came to witness the show, and I must confess to you, there were many there I knew. Welcome to The Dispatchist, a friendly conversation about hell and some other stuff. With me this week are my co-hosts, Jamin. Hello! Victoria. Hi. And I am Jacob. Hi. Hey. Hi. Jamin has a joke for us, from oh, what God. I understand. <laughs> so once there was a pastor of a yes. church, uh-huh. <laughs> and a time came for him to paint the church. Oh, and of course, okay. he was a cheap pastor. Like, always, he didn't want to spend that much money. Yeah. Okay. So, he didn't buy as much paint as he needed. He just bought a little bit less paint and he watered it down. Mm-hmm. Right? He got some acetone and, you know, kind of thinned it out. And he's painting the church and he's painting the church. And suddenly, it gets real cloudy. And thunder happens and it just rains and it ruins his paint job. Okay. That's very sad. I mean, he was kind of upset. Right. Yeah. Expensive. <laughs> And he's like, well, I don't really want to buy more paint. So he puts more acetone in and really thins it out. And he's painting the church and he's painting. And you could tell it's really kind of streaky and thin. Yeah. And he's almost done. And suddenly it gets dark and thunder rumbles and it rains. And it washes down and ruins his job. And he just sighs dejectedly. And he grabs the paint bucket and he grabs oh, the acetone. Surely he wouldn't. Right. And he's about to and suddenly a voice the voice of God comes from the oh, heaven and booms. He says, repaint and sin no, no more. more. <laughs> oh, God. I saw the moment you, you caught on and you saw the punchline and like I saw the dejection in your eyes. It was... I don't think you're qualified for dad jokes. <laughs> you're neither a dad nor was that a joke. Nor funny. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, no. Good effort. Good effort. <laughs> anyway, so today we're talking about thin. Thin. So this thin. is episode this is episode seventy six of the Dispatchist. Sin, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. <laughs> like oh, all of our jokes, that'll be funnier the seventh time. It really will be. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. good. So the seven, seven. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we're also thinking of something about the seven deadly dwarves, but I'm sure mm-hmm. we'll encounter them as we go forth. Yes. Hi ho. Hi ho. Off to sin they go. I have two major pieces of hell news. I'm very oh, excited okay. about them. First off, on Amazon Prime, and no, we do not get sponsored dollars for anything we do, they've released Has Been Hotel, the series. Oh, yeah. Super mm-hmm. excited about that. It's going to go mainstream. Artie is going mainstream. That's really cute. Okay. That's, yeah, I saw, I, I saw that. That is very exciting. Yeah. It doesn't quite sparkle as much as the original pilot did, but it's pretty good. Okay. Better than most things on Amazon Prime, and that is a low bar. That's true. Sorry. Sorry, Amazon Prime. Maybe we shouldn't have said that out loud. Not until we get sponsorship dollars. Yeah, they're not giving us money. That's true. And you said you had another another piece of news? Was it the Lil Nas X one? What? what, what? Oh, yeah. Little, 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 little Nas X has a new oh. video where he uh, is Jesus. Yes. I believe he's received some flack from that. <laughs> just the smallest amount. Go figure. It is worse being Jesus than going down on the devil. 
I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. It's freaking people out for multiple reasons. I have yet to watch it. Have you watched the video yet? No. It, I need to do. We need to have a, a watch along tonight. So does pretending to be Jesus, is that violating the like no false idols one? It's not quite. No, I would. I, I don't know. I think it's. That's a very good question. All I can think about is when you go someplace like Yellowstone and they have the sign that says, do not anger the bears. And they list the ways you can anger the bears. And one of the ways to anger the bears is to dress as a bear. (laughs) So I kind of see it in that mold. (laughs) You know, what would be your motivation? (laughs) I mean, there's a whole about uh, imitating Jesus or imitating a bear. More the latter. Uh, You know, honestly... Imitating bears or angering bears gets you in trouble. Angering, angering Jesus gets you in trouble. Mm-hmm. And how do you anger Jesus? Sin. Does this kind of fit my general conceit that sin is whatever makes the church kind of angry? It's true. Yeah. Bears and Jesus are very similar because also you have to put your food in a Jesus-proof box or he'll break into your car when you're camping. <laughs> but when he does, you end up with more food. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Guys, I practiced, I packed a four, gallon, four gallons of water. Now we have four gallons of wine. <laughs> Where'd all these fish come from? <laughs> my second piece of hell news and i am i think this is like the most important hell news we've had in a very long time because of the potential for in our lifetimes what this could mean you know the pope has the powers of saint peter and the keys to the kingdom of heaven right mm-hmm. right yeah. and what what he binds and what he loses and etc cetera, etc cetera. so in a recent interview pope francis was asked what he thought about hell and he says he wishes it was empty. Okay, so releasing everybody in hell he or that has, nobody ever goes to hell? He has the power to do that. He could just declare everybody or, or just like the really bad ones can't stay. I don't know. But yeah, wow. if he wants the hell to be empty, he has the power. Oh, you know what? You're right because we can pray our forefathers out of hell. Yeah, yeah. If with, a, the right- with a slight donation. Right. Yeah. Dollar ninety nine a month or so. Yeah. So no, I, I, I'm excited by this. He he totally has the power to make this vision happen. And so I mean, any day, any day he could he could just suddenly wish hell empty. No. Wow. Okay. What then what happens to our podcast? Oh shit. Um, we have a <laughs> we, we have a major update and it becomes historical. Listen, gotcha. call your church fathers right now and vote against the hell. That's right, for our sake. One nine nine nine, yay, Pope. <laughs> <laughs> I have something that's not news, but it was called to my attention by a, a friend and a listener named Jim. Oh, yes. Hi, Jim. So, do you know anything about uh, Jim? Lantern Corps? The Lantern Corps in the comic book world? Yeah, yeah. So, did you know about the Orange Lantern? No. Oh, like the, the Green Lantern is the one everyone knows, but there's more, right? There's like more. Okay. Halloween, Halloween powers? No, gluttony and greed. Ooh, Wait, that's what? his power? That's his whole shtick. Like the, the lanterns, 
The Lantern Corps is an organization that harnesses the emotional electromagnetic spectrum. So each of yeah. the colors represents some other. Yeah, like the green one is hope, I think. And that's where he gets a lot of his power. Or is it um, there's imagination? Blue. Blue is hope. Blue, blue is hope. Okay. Uh-huh. Blue is hope. What is green then? Green. Welshmertz. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. What is green? Is it a oh. good thing or like is it just envy? It's where, no. With the power of envy, I slay thee. Mm-hmm. There probably is envy. What is Greenland? What is green? Maybe it is hope. I saw that blue is also hope, but. Ladies and oh, gentlemen, oh, 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 we are the best comic book nerds. Uh, willpower. Oh, okay. Wow, that's, that's dumb. an interesting. Um, uh, willpower is not course. an emotional spectrum. Well, well it's, it's subjective. Based. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. But what's interesting so, Orange Lantern. Yes, Orange. Free, gluttony. There's several. Uh, characters that are members of this organization there's a god of hunger named bloom he's a giant extraterrestrial head from the planet blaba that proclaims himself a god of hunger so that he can intimidate the inhabitants of planets into feeding him their valuables there's also a cannibalist okay a cannibal- okay and greed oh. and gluttony are the same thing in in this war, in this context okay, okay okay yes and so uh, glomulus also is a tavern cleaner on Akara, who um, is only allowed out of his cage to eat whatever food falls on the floor of the tavern, but he accidentally gets a taste for blood and then eats everyone in the tavern. Ooh. Oops. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get tipped. And eventually he's eaten by Bloom, too. Spoiler. But, so I'm peace. Yeah. So, yeah, Jim said you've, you've never heard of the Orange Lantern because he is the personification in the Lantern oeuvre of Gluttony and Greed. Interesting. Huh. I don't know if I really want to thank Jim for that tidbit. I, I'm mildly upset. Well, I think it gives us um, a talking point because as we go through the sins, we've okay. got not only got the dwarves, but we've got the lanterns. There's rage. I guess mm-hmm. if you can if you conflate love and lust, which I do regularly, yep. Then then that's another one. Mm-hmm. Which lantern uh, is that? Magenta. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Wait, is this just, are we talking primary color lanterns or is there like a, a spectrum? There's like, like, nine, there's like nine of, unless you're like dealing with fan-made lanterns, which is fuchsia. Where we're starting to get off topic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> only then slightly. And there's only nine of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a DC, DC Comics universe. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Well, thanks, Jim. Yeah. Thank you, Jim. Oh, um, not, not unrelated to that. I do want to take a moment to thank our Patreon uh, listeners. We have Liz, and mm-hmm. now we have David. So Woo-hoo! thank you. Thank you both for supporting us. Hi, David. Um, yeah. And Liz. Did I float my idea for, like, a thing to offer our, our contributors? No. What? Uh, behind the scenes of our puppet show of the Testament <gasps> of Solomon. That's right. Yes. Uh-huh. We're working on this uh now. <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not committing us to that. It's just one of the various species ideas that I have. We have so many ideas. I also want to do like we've talked about dioramas, we've talked about you know, kind of vacation Bible school-esque animations, flannel graphs. Exactly. Of yeah. different stories. Uh we, I definitely want to do something with Job. Maybe like, you know, those babies, well, you guys are boys, but there was used to be this baby doll that you would feed it 
They would squirt stuff in its mouth like you're feeding it, and then it would get diaper rash. So we could totally do that with Job. Oh, God. <laughs> I know, now right? Now it's real boils. <laughs> exactly. We could create oh. some kind of, you know, perforated Job doll. This is an uncomfortable idea. <laughs> I got a million of them. I, I brought a drink, if anybody cares to Oh, yeah, drink. yeah, yeah. So... This is either a, it could either be called a sin sin or a sin chin, depending on if you want to do the proper pronunciation of one of the liqueurs. Hmm. Okay. Yes. Or sin chin. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a play on, so the key, the flavor profile is of chinar. Do you know what chinar is? No. It's uh, artichoke liqueur. It's an Italian <gasps> artichoke liqueur. Is that a oh, thing? It is. I uh, remember Chinar. wanting to get that, and mm-hmm. they they didn't have it at Specs. Is that? Oh. It's not like drinking the liquid out of a pickled art- artichoke jar. No, it's more like it's... Campari. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. He'd hate it. Probably. I love Campari. I love I've never Campari. Tried this, like, we should try some Chinar, but um, the sin the sin chin or sin. Sin Sin, however you want to do it. It's equal parts of everything. An ounce of Chenar, uh, an ounce of Scotch whiskey, an ounce of sweet vermouth, orange and an orange twist for garnish. Plus, of course, you need ice cubes. Big, one of those big ice cubes. So in an ice-filled mixing glass, combine the Chenar, sweet vermouth, and Scotch. Stir it and strain into a rocks glass over a large cube of ice. Garnish with an orange twist. That kind of sounds good. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like a Negroni kind of. Yeah, I was gonna say it's, it'd be like a Negroni because you got the Campari like thing. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Would you use like a peaty Scotch or a smoky Scotch or oh. a like which which Scotch or would you use a, a bourbon? Um, let's see. There was one that I saw that suggested a Scotch. So I bet if you look online, it's I don't know anything about Scotches. I know. A little bit about whiskey, whiskey, but not Scotch whiskey. I had I had diet Moxie today. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, so explain Moxie. Moxie is a fizzy beverage from Maine, mm-hmm. and it has notes of licorice and root beer and mint. Oh wow! It's like it's like an herbal medicinal fizzy. Okay, I think I might like it. I have I have a few cans left. Okay, okay. but uh, the diet Moxie was. I think it's a, a unique experience in Texas, perhaps. So, did you have to order it online? I did. I did. And it was not as bad as I was expecting. Bad price-wise or bad soda-wise? Bad soda-wise. Price-wise, okay. it was it was quite gougy. Oh, I guess to ship it here from Maine. Hmm. I know. I've always wanted to try it because I've known I've known of Moxie for oh uh, you know most of my life, I think, but just never yeah. tried it. Well, I have I have news for you. <laughs> So, do we have anything else for the parte? I have some. Guys? I have some mild entertainment. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, being being made to mutter words of gluttony and being piled up with the jestful. With the jestful? Yes. What does jestful mean? I think it's like people that make bad jokes a lot. Oh. I was just going to say that sounds like this conversation tonight. Yeah, I'm yeah. hungry. I'm boring. It's broadly in the category of the mockers. Okay. Okay. Uh huh. Did you know that was going to happen when, did you, was it just synchronicity with 
Jamin's bad joke. <laughs> Jamin's no. mumbling. Uh-huh. No, Jamin's it just kind of incessant <laughs> mumbling of dad jokes. Kind of worked out. <laughs> oh, those are magical, magical moments, aren't they? We live in. Yeah, a- we are hungry. <laughs> hmm. How do we want to start? Well, we're about to go into the seven seven deadlies, or the rest of the seven deadlies, the six remaining deadlies. And we felt it was a good idea to take a step back and just talk about sin for a while. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you had no context. You wouldn't understand just how these things operate. Do we understand how they operate? What? I have many understandings now of how they operate. Okay. Uh-huh. So, can I ask, what actually is sin? Question mark. No. no. Oh. Well, that's the end of this co- podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I think the answer is it varies depending on who you ask. I mean, standard answer is it's something that separates you from God, whatever that means. But then there's a huge range of qualifiers to that. Mm-hmm. And there are things that could qualify as sins that have nothing to do with God in places where there is where there that has nothing to do with God. The God what? of Christian. Oh, and, oh, 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 okay, yeah, okay. A Christian, yeah, yeah, yeah. A Judeo-Christian God. There, there, there are worlds of transgression that have nothing to do with separation from that figure. Right, right, right. Like if you're, if you're, yeah. I do have a pretty good quote that is, I find it extraordinarily frustrating. Okay. About sin. This is from Robert Charles Kavanaugh, A Theological Examination of the Concept of Sin, Hamark Theology and the Good News. I twitch whenever I hear the phrase good news, honestly. <laughs> I know, I do too. The terrible reality of sin is that it disconnects humankind from God, and they will be punished, albeit lovingly. But (laughs) the good news, in quotes, is that without sin, humankind would not have Jesus, its Savior, given to them by God, as accounted for by the Gospels. This is the news of salvation or liberation from the disconnection and estrangement from God that sin causes. Jesus Christ gives the world hope again by dying on the cross for humanity's sins, and the many will be made righteous. It's a tautology. No, that's so <laughs> dumb. Yeah, there are, there are loops. Uh-huh. Okay, there. so if we'd never eaten the apple, we'd still be in Eden, living a perfect paradise. And we wouldn't... If we hadn't sinned, we wouldn't have Jesus Christ who needed to come and explain the concept of sin to us and then, and then die for us because... I don't He was bored. It was Friday. What do you do on Friday? <laughs> so, right? I, Theology? I don't know if this is a... This may not be the right place for it, but I think a lot of, I think the main understanding of sin is that it somehow started with Adam and Eve, but that's not entire, that's not always true, right? That's just, that's one story of sin. Yeah. A version of sin. I mean, they sinned. Yes. Um, were they the first? I, I, that depends. We had, had the episode on Lucifer recently. Yeah. Suggesting we... that maybe they were off by a few seconds. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that was may or may not be original sin, but like the concept of original sin is this thing that follows you through the generations. And I don't think that that's a 380 idea. Mm-hmm. It's pretty late. <laughs> so I, after like having been like secondhand raised by an evangelical person, I had this idea that sin was like, like a sticky greenish tar that just sticks to you forever mm, until, you, until yeah. it's washed off by, yeah. by, by the, Hyperbaryomic blood of the lamb. 
<laughs> That's right. It's like a, it's like the you know the radiation oh, shower in Silkwood. Yeah, yeah, totally like that, or, or mm-hmm. just like like fire hose, spiritual fire hose. <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah. So where do we where do we even want to start? Because we've got the Judeo Christian idea of sin. We've got a classical idea of sin that predates Christian Judeo Christian. We've got the Vedic ideas of quote-unquote sin let me let me kind of tie up a lot of the old testament new testament stuff in like an argument i had with the word with the word sin itself okay i think it'll it'll cover a lot of things all at once and Uh y'all can tell me i'm i'm being like overly bombastic or what have you so uh, (laughs) the the first thing i so i remembered there was the goddess sin who is not probably another version of a start that kind of family of gods Okay. It has nothing to do with the word sin, probably. Mm-hmm. But I picked up the Dictionary of Deities and Demons of the Bible, which is like my go-to for everything that could be anthropomorphized, and looked up sin, because sin is a living thing in the Bible sometimes. They talk about kind of the word sin, what is actually used in the Bible, and the Greek word that's used in the Greek translation, which is kind of the major... A biblical source that the New Testament feeds from is hamartia, which is effectively it means missing the mark. And that is kind of the idea of like you, you had this bright destiny and you kind of went up or down on it. It's an archery term as well, but that's a word that's used very frequently in commentary about uh, Greek tragedies and like Plato's mythologies and things like that. It's the word of the fatal flaw. Mm-hmm. And so that's more the sense that the Greeks were using the word as they translated every or many instances of the concept of sin out of Hebrew into Greek. Right. So looking backwards a little bit further, you can see some of the words that the Hebrews used for for this. And one of the most of the common ones were like variations on uh, turning away or, or again, missing the mark, but less of an archery sense. So a sin like the sin of Adam and Eve is just kind of missing the... It's, it's not quite not quite getting it. And that's something you can correct for over time. I think that's kind of an important part of that, that word cloud concept. So a lot of things that were trying... So this idea of like the icky sticky film that you can't wash off of you feels very like modern Western later. And mm-hmm. there are things like abominations and words for sins that are not necessarily um, just kind of, I'll try again sort of thing. But the, the word sin, it's like S-I-N, that word is fairly much old English court language, contract language. And it's like legal wrong and Mm -hmm. criminal wrong and things like that. So I think the idea of like this legal criminal wrongness, this kind of feudal angry God that kind of goes with it, is projected backwards onto the Old Testament. And when you look at the language of the Old Testament, in a world that doesn't have hell, they don't really have that kind of terrible, sticky sin that you have to wash off as well. They don't have this, this idea of sin as long-term corruption mm-hmm. in a big way. It's probably there somewhere, but not like as the dominant idea. And it was really like revelatory for me that, that we have this idea of like sin as a tarnish of the soul that's like on you and like sticking to you like horrible, toxic green gunk or something. And that just doesn't fit the way the word was used more commonly in the Old Testament. 
Yeah, nowadays it's it's very much like a downfall, an, a breaking, a, yeah. a devastating thing that happens. Right. Yeah, that's the word, devastating. Yeah, and in the, I mean, this is super interesting because it really does – it's it's a foundation for a lot of like okay so we have homarsha like the technical right like the actual definition of it is right missing the mark an error but it's not a fatal it's not fatal it's an error right but it is it is tied to the idea of the fatal flaw right it's sort of like in um you know literature like the 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 flawed character the the of tragedy which kind of goes to a classical idea but it's right. It's like we've ascribed something, something that's very human. We've taken yeah. in Christianity and made it horrible. Made it <laughs> transforming like a literary device into mm-hmm. um, the fall of man, and that's kind of awkward. Are there examples of tragic characters we could bring in right now from Greek tragedy or such? Well, yes, yes, there are. <laughs> oh, who? thank you oh, for who? asking. I thought I might. Yes, yeah, so. This is, uh, I, I read part of, I've read part of several books over the past uh, week or so. <laughs> you sound like me. You're like, I read the first page. It was great. <laughs> well, this I read uh, the chapter about pre-Christian ideas of sin or whatever you want to call it. it, it there's, it's by um, David Constant, The Origin of Sin. Pre, pre, pre-sin or prin. Prin. It's all about prin. But he has a really great quote. What a culture does not have a word for is not important for them as an object of inquiry or sociocultural signifier. Hmm. Okay. So we have like you kind of, I mean, it's almost like you're scribing. Okay. So there was no actual word that meant sin in the way that we understand sin. So is there such a thing as sin? Are we just kind of tacking this on? And in the classical world, we do have the idea of hamartia. But Aristotle in Nicomachean, is that how you say it, Nicomachean? Ethics discusses the idea of incontinence or, or acrasia, which is a lack of restraint or self-control. And that also, like the idea of bodily pleasure is blamed for um, transgressions, just like Hamartia, the sort of idea of like hubris le- leading you to miss the mark, right? Yes, yes, yes. So, but there's, there's, he talks about several examples, like the, one of the ones that he starts with is Judgment of Paris, the Judgment of Paris. Do you know that story? Oh, it's been a minute since I've read that story. Yeah. So. Brush us up. <laughs> okay. So the whole idea or the basic plot of the Judgment of Paris is that the Aaron, who's the goddess of discord, um, she's not invited to a wedding of Peleus and, the- and Thetis. And so she brings a golden apple. This is Eris. Eris. Sorry, I said Aaron, right? No, no, no. It's like one of my, one of my pet goddesses. So. Eris. Eris. Goddess of discord. I was going to say, oh, I haven't heard this one yet. New yes, goddess. Eris. I couldn't read my own this notes. This is the, ori- the original snub is what we call it in discordianism. Yes, exactly. And um, so she brought the golden apple that was inscribed to the fairest one. Mm-hmm. She threw it into the wedding and three goddesses, Hera, Athena, and Aphrodite, agreed to have Paris of Troy, who's also known as Alexander, choose the fairest of the three. And Aphrodite promised Paris the most beautiful woman in the world, who's Helen of Troy. And so he chose her, which actually 
and it was one of the causes of the Trojan War. So what he did went against what the gods wanted him to do. Was that a sin or was it just an act of hubris, hubris or was it an act of incontinence? Is there any right answer when you go to three goddesses and say which one of them is the prettiest? No, no. Like, I mean, how could You're you? You're always going to get screwed. You should just just commit suicide right there. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a it's a moral flaw because he's ruled by passion rather than intellect or the will of the gods. So in Judeo Christian idea, that would be considered a sin because he's going against the will of the gods. But here, it's just human hubris or passion, right? So essentially, this leads to the question of, do you have to have a law to breach for something to be a sin? That's a great question. One of the issues here is that the gods do have, you know, they, they condemn, they uniformly condemn certain behaviors, but there, there is some, some squidgy room there because there's right. A right. contention amongst the gods about those behaviors sometimes, depending on the situation. <laughs> right. You don't have one god. You have the gods. Mm-hmm. So, so they're going to argue. So here's my kind of Greek question on sin, to build on that. And it's like, you asked your question. So moving from Paris to Oedipus, right? Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with the Oedipus story, then you'll follow along. If you're not familiar with the Oedipus story, there is way too much to get into to explain it here. But basically, despite Oedipus killing his dad, you have the gods, you have mankind, right? And you have kings of mankind. The gods said the king makes the law, right? And mm-hmm. then the gods say you must obey the gods. And so in this Oedipal story, a lot happens and then a man is killed and the king forbids anyone from burying him, right? He's just laying on the side of the road. However, the gods beforehand decreed, if a man dies, he must be buried appropriately, right? And so, you now have a dead corpse on the side of the road. Spoiler, somebody walks along and accidentally sprinkles some dust on him, right? Just enough to appease the gods. So, the gods say the king makes the laws. The laws must be obeyed. The king says, don't do this thing which the gods have decreed. Mm Mm-hmm. So, the man who sprinkles the dust on the corpse, thus burying him, has he sinned against the king or the gods or both? Like, he's appeasing the gods, but the god says obey the king. Mm-hmm. So, in this what is sin, what is sin? Yeah. How do you, how do you get out of that situation? It's true. And there's a, the, another kind of continuation of the... Um, Trojan War uh, story that gets at exactly what you're saying because there's the whole story of Agesthius uh, killing, conspiring with Clytemnestra to kill Agamemnon. And so Zeus had warned Agesthius against going to see Clytemnestra, against like dating her, like, dude, don't date her. Whatever you do, do not do it. And so he does it anyway, ends up killing Agamemnon. and. Zeus doesn't enact punishment on him. He's just annoyed, right? Right. So, it's kind of like, okay, so you're just annoying the gods, really. And again, because it's a crime, it's passion rather than intellect. It's going, like, human emotion taking precedent over what you've been told to do 
leading to a god being annoyed at you. This is this is really great because Zeus didn't command him to. This was Zeus giving like some friendly advice. Right, exactly. Right? Yeah. And you think, wait, wait a second. Does Jehovah ever just give you good advice? Right. Hey, you know, buy low, sell high. If mm-hmm. you don't, it's not a sin. Yeah, like, why can't God just be mildly pissed at people? Yeah. You know, just roll his eyes like, dude. I can't believe you put too much rosemary on the chicken. Right, bro. Uh. Come on, bro. <laughs> but it continues because this is where you get to contention. Because then we have Arestia, who, in order to avenge the death of his father, kills he uh, he kills Agestius. Again, like Zeus knew this was going to happen, told him, like, don't do this. You know, this is going to happen. And kills him and then kills his mom, Kadimnestra. <sighs> Rude. And so, because, like, this is where the gods or all of the deities were in contentious and having a contentious discussion because, you know, it's a revenge killing. So, that's not a bad thing because he was actually in the right um, to avenge his dad's death. However, he committed matricide. Which the Furies were all up in arms about because mm. that is an egregious act. So he's, you know, and, so the and gods not themselves, one that was provoked. Right, exactly. Right. So that is one of those places like, what is the law here? Because it keeps getting squishy. Um, and there is punishment, but it's kind of unclear when that punishment is going to be meted out. and. Is it really punishment or is it just a God being annoyed with you? Um, But then all of this stuff, as Jacob was saying, this is where we get our ideas about sin, right? Like there's the Greek ideas that somehow translate into this vengeful, punishing God or transgressions that lead to distance. But here in the classical world, there's so, so much interaction, like the gods are essentially like, yeah, they're just like your big brothers. Yeah, because this is these are literary constructs, not necessarily right. religious uh, tautologies or diatribes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another thing before I leave the classical world behind, there's some interesting stuff also about ritual. If you are acting against ritual, that's a whole other set of transgressions hmm. that lead to the need for purification. So, there's ritual purification um, that takes care of that, takes care of those transgressions, which also translates, I mean, this is also talked about in early Hebraic texts and when we come to exile um, of Israel and things like that. But again, here, it's not a strong punishment. It's just a cleansing that's, ne- that's oh. needed for these transgressions. Oh, you didn't say it. Being unclean. Mm-hmm. Being unclean is not a sin. Being right. unclean is, uh, uh, it's not forgivable. It's cleansable. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Transgressions oh. against, yeah, ritual oftentimes. And this will, you know, when I, there's some stuff, there's some Vedic stuff about this as well. But there's also the sense of what does the body mean? Is the body a site of sin? Or again, is it just... Does there need to be cleansing? Is yes, suicide take a, a sin because it's a an act against the body? Oh. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, the other thing that I wanted to bring up 
that is important here is also the idea of remorse versus regret. Because this comes in later, definitely, but here when we're talking about, again, the classic world, there's a set of inscriptions from uh, Lydia and Phrygia, which is now northwestern Turkey, and it's the second or third centuries. Um, it's on the uh, uh, Staley or Stela with S-T-E-L-E. Stela, yeah. Staley. I don't know. And it's uh, carved by somebody who was, you know, told to account for their wrongs and the suffering they may have caused through their wrongs. But the tone of it, it's unclear whether this is actually showing regret, like I did this thing and now I have to, you know, like write a hundred times, you know, I will not do X again. Or is it actually remorseful? Is this, I wish I hadn't done that because now I'm in trouble mm-hmm. and I feel bad about having done that. Right. Which, yeah. Which... Like, do you understand the actual weight of what you're doing mm. or is it just that you want to you wanted to escape punishment, and that comes in later when we talk mm. about that um, reaction to sin and punishments for sin and self inflicted punishments for sin or self policing for sin. So the, the suicide thing kind of takes us into the world of mortal and venial sins. I'd like to go back to that if I could. Yeah. So the whole thing about suicide is that so Socrates uh, felt that. Suicide, well, we shouldn't commit suicide. It's a great wrong because even though our body, he also called our bodies tombs or prisons. Despite that, yes, despite that, they are still. I love your tomb. (laughs) Just bring your tomb a little closer, baby. It's kind of French. (laughs) Yes, we tomb. So it is. Dionysian, that therefore we should not commit suicide against our bodies. We are committing a transgression against Dionysus um, because we are actually composed of the suit of the uh, Titans who ate Dionysus' flesh. So, in effect, we are made of Dionysius, therefore we can't transgress against Dionysus because by killing ourselves. We are all, also, we are all Titan poop. We're also to all Titan poop. So, yeah. which goes to the whole ashes, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think I prefer our bodies a temple rather than our body is Titan poop. Really, our bodies are ashtrays. That, that, yeah. is, that is reasonable. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's hold on better that. than Titan poop. <laughs> so, is smoking a sin? Mm. Um, well, so there's, there's categories of sins and two of the big ones... Well, I guess the biggest ones is the idea of mortal sin versus venial sin. And one, so the, the primary difference between those, I mean, all sins can be forgiven except for the sin of turning away from God, which by its nature is one of those logical paradoxes, like all podcasters are liars. Um, but a mortal sin is, um, it's one that if you die with that on your, on your conscience without having confessed and moved on, you can... The distance it creates between you and God is so great that you could be condemned to hell, effectively. Could be. Okay. Mm-hmm. Could be. Well, no one knows. You know, you can't name know the mind of God. And there are three, like, tests for is something a mortal sin. 
uh, it must constitute a grave matter, a serious offense against God's law. Uh, I'm going from mortal versus venial sin on the St. Boniface Catholic Church in Maine's website. And later, St. Mary of the Seven Dolders.com, list of mortal sins every Catholic should know. And I'm kind of weaving these back and forth, but. You won't believe number six. <laughs> Pre saint it when. Um, <laughs> so, one, it's got to be actually of a seriousness. There's like a list the Ten Commandments, the Seven Deadlies, and a few others that, come, that are grave matters. Two, the sinner must be fully aware that it's mortal. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. listeners, both of you, uh, <laughs> if you don't want all of your sins to suddenly become mortal, you might want to turn away right now. Yeah, don't listen. And also, this raises the question of why would anybody make a list of mortal sins unless they're spiteful? Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 uh -huh. yeah. This is like if the missionaries told people about hell, would they have gone there if they hadn't? Thirdly, the sinner must freely and fully consent to this evil act, even if she doesn't explicitly or directly want to offend God with it. Okay. So the question, the question. So I can't make you sin. Well, you can't make me mortal sin. Yeah. You can make me venial sin and venial sins add up and they will eventually cause you to kind of break in places. So, yeah, smoking could be seen as a sin against the body and violence against the self. Uh, it is likely not a grave matter unless you like really lean into the smoking is suicide idea, which is a legitimate rhetorical tact, but mm -hmm. seems a little, ex a little excessive, particularly since the sinner is probably not fully aware of the action until they're told that. I right. Mm -hmm. But uh, there, there are definitely levels of sin. Uh, so St. Mary of the Seven Dollars published this list of mortal sins, and I feel like this is one of the most mean-spirited pieces of internet content because it creates the condition of mortal sin for people that did not know this. Top of the list, murder and sodomy. Okay. It's, it's nice okay. that's number two now because it hasn't always been. Sometimes sodomy is number one. Uh-huh. Uh, taking advantage of the poor, defrauding a working man of his wages. Those are kind of like top fours that are listed above and beyond. Then they list the seven, the Ten Commandments and kind of break things down by them. So we've got uh, a first commandment is worship only one God. So they call idolatry, divination, magic, sorcery, sacrilege, and atheism all deadly sins. Uh, there is a par paradox of an atheist committing a deadly sin. There you mm -hmm. go. Uh, commandment two, taking God's name in vain, swearing, blasphemy, false oaths, missing church. What? That's under actually remembering the Sabbath day and keeping it holy as well. So somewhere mm -hmm. between those two. Not honoring your father and mother, predictably. Thou shalt not kill, which includes murder, abortion, suicide, euthanasia, scandal, scandal, drug abuse, gluttony, terrorism, extreme anger, hatred, and extortion, which are kind of like killing someone in your soul. So how is scandal how does scandal fit in? Wait. I don't extortion? know. Extortion? I don't know. I okay. guess because it's a it's threat. Vi it's violating violence against others, which I think is historically like a form of Okay. I guess they're they're tying together the idea of killing someone with violence against them in some way. Oh, so like scandal could be like in the Vedic literature, like in gossip could be considered a sin. So it, it is violence against somebody's reputation potentially. I, that makes sense. That makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. What's the, um, what's the, what's the sin of Christ? What's the sin of, oh, I've just sinned. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's one. We should count how many times we sin during this podcast. Oh, Jesus. The number isn't... Oh, there's another one. <laughs> the number isn't big enough. Okay. Stop. I'm, I'm being dumb. Marriage... You, get, you get one count per category. Well, then there's okay. all ten. When you cheat, what is that sin? 
Oh. Adultery or theft. Adultery. Oh, I can't remember cheating. that word. Or coveting okay. thy neighbor's right. wife. So right. Uh-huh. In covets adultery, if a man covets his neighbor's wife, he's committing adultery. Even if he does nothing and mm-hmm. doesn't act on it, just the thought is the sin, right? Well, envy and covetousness is his own category. So, they could you coming and going. Right. Yeah. So, he has committed adultery even though he's done nothing. Yeah. And so, in that vein, if you scandal or extortion, you're committing the sin because you're having the thought. That, that now logically follows to me. If yeah. you can be an adulterer and do nothing, you can be a murderer and also just do nothing. Well, the mm-hmm. idea of like sins of thought versus sins of action is kind of its own tricky thing. But all these sins are ways of missing the mark. They're not necessarily going to destroy you. So, like, again, there's levels of sin. Mm-hmm. You can even sin in your sleep in certain understandings right, of right, sin. Right, 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 right. Yeah, the monks and their levels of celibacy. Mm-hmm. Thou shalt not commit adultery includes divorce, pornography, incest, masturbation, and gay stuff. Uh, which I feel adultery should be like its own category thing. This is like overly extrapolating from like what is basically contractual language. Right. Which I think mm-hmm. we were going to talk at some point in time about how Old Testament sins are more violation of contract than violation of morality. Yep. Um, mm. thou, sh- thou shalt not steal includes taking advantage of the poor, theft, cheating, defrauding wages. False witness includes adulation, so shameless praise. I like that. <laughs> Coveting. And then there's a variety of like sins against faith and hope they list, including voluntary doubt of faith, mm. uh, ceasing hoping in the salvation of God, okay. and gratitude to God and hating God. So, I guess it's very damned if you damned you don't sort of thing. So, voluntary, what is it? Voluntary loss of faith. So, what is an involuntary loss of faith? I mean, I feel, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think that's probably totally in the mind of... <laughs> oh, if somebody dies, if your friend dies in a car wreck... And you're like, how could God let this happen to me? Right? That's still okay. voluntary. Because, I mean, you're making a choice. I, this is one of those mean-spirited things. Mm. But, again, sin is not necessarily this black tarry stuff that sticks to you forever. It's something you talk about and work through. So, mm-hmm. it's not the end of the world. There is no real description of what a venial sin is. It's, like, not a grave sin. Or maybe it's a, a mortal sin that you didn't, like, totally consent about. Or you weren't aware about. Although, now you have no excuse at all, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I made a list of venial sins. Oh, okay. And I feel like so, by telling you them, you would know that they are venial sins. Okay. Uh, making fun of a zoo animal. <laughs> <laughs> Giraffes. I think it depends on the zoo animal. No, no, no. no. It's a venial sin. Okay. Um, taking the name of thy being Crosby in vain. <laughs> I mean, he was not a nice person. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Ding. Um <laughs> You got, you just got bing dinged. Bing dinged. <laughs> Teaching young children swear words. Oh, Oops. but it's so fun. <laughs> it is, but they're they're but, so cute. Uh, wearing mm-hmm. pajamas to Walmart or the grocery store. Okay, that one I can get behind. Even yeah. though I am somebody who will wear pajamas all day, but I, I will change before leaving yeah. the house. I will put clothes on before I go to Walmart. Mm-hmm. So this Indeed. is tricky. Coming in sick to the office, but Ooh. it's a mortal sin if you know you're contagious. <gasps> Or if you call in sick when you're not. So, again, coming and going. But right. it's, ve- it's venial if you tell yourself it's allergies unless you actually know what it is, then you're lying to yourself, in which case it's a lie. But what if your work culture is such that nobody can take sick leave, like you're expected to be there no matter what? Well, then you're stealing time from the office and it's that. Oh, gotcha. Okay, um, yeah. Pretending to throw your dog something but hiding it and throwing it the other way. 
<laughs> this, this, is, this goes with making fun of a zoo animal. What if you... <laughs> it's a moral sin if you tell them you're going to do it. Oh, so what if you switch it up, you teach the dog swear words, and then you throw things for children, but then throw it the other way? Oh, no, that's fine. Unless, okay. unless you've been told. Like, okay, listeners, for you, this is a venial sin. Forgetting your reusable bag. Okay. Uh-huh. Yep. Talking in the theater. But if you tell someone the ending of a film, that's technically divination. <laughs> so then you have to walk out of the theater with your right. feet facing one way and your head facing the other? Yes. Mm-hmm. Failing to honor your aunt. Oh, what if you don't have one? Yeah. Well, then you... Free ride. Yeah, free ride there. Yeah, sk- sk- cool. Do not okay. go to jail. <laughs> Ruining the air quality of an elevator or a public bathroom. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. And that's not with, like, pollution. Like, yeah, it's 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 a venal it's sin a different again. Kind of pollution. It's venal okay. sin. Uh-huh. Um, taking the last of something on a buffet. Oh yeah, that's a bad one. Yeah, and manspl- mansplaining. Oh, okay. So, uh, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> well, dear listeners, <laughs> I think she just called us sinners. Mm-hmm. I think I just I, did. I yeah. Mm-hmm. If, if the shoe fits. <laughs> I have to say, I was at the San Diego Zoo last weekend, and I made fun of so many zoo animals. <laughs> I mean, they're just like, just sitting there waiting for it. I mean, yeah. dummies. <laughs> so, say, say 10 hails. <laughs> so, explain to me, or are those the same as cardinal sins? Um, I think oh. there's a list of cardinal sins, and they are mm-hmm. not the seven deadlies. I thought they were the interchangeable, but... Cardinal sins are also the seven deadly sins, also mortal sins. Okay. Just so for I think fun. not a meaningful term. Just for fun, define venial, of or pertaining to venes. Denoting a sin that is not regarded as depriving the soul of social of divine grace. So it is, this is a specifically hamartology word. Mm-hmm. So I guess where I'm landing is sin is <laughs> when you create a God, you create sin. Like sin doesn't really exist until you have a God that you can claim it's bad to be distanced from. Yeah. Like I feel like sins against the God Priapus are very different than against Yahweh. Right. Like, you know, just again, it's it's literature, but thinking yeah. about uh, pagan gods and right. just like, okay, you just, you have a one-on-one relationship with them. Sometimes they get, anno- get annoyed with you. Sometimes, you know, they're going to rape your wife. Sometimes, you know, they're going to strike you. They're going to throw lightning bolts at you, but it's not, there's never this moment of like, oh, it's egregious to separate yourself from them. So it is like the word theodicy, like theodicy yeah. only apl- only applies to like the Abrahamic God. Mm. Right, exactly. And the whole idea of why does God allow for these things and all of the bending over backwards, like uh, sin, um, a history, sin, a history by Gary Anderson. There's the whole idea of God, when you're asking why God punished Israel so much and seemed to be turning a blind eye to its pagan neighbors, it has everything to do with expecting more from Israel, really, and thinking that, okay, I need to step in so that they don't tip the scales too far to ever come back. Yeah. Pagans, that you know, he's just watching 
waiting for them to tip those scales, and then he destroys them. So, I mean, all of the Old Testament is a people telling the story of how they got there. And <laughs> right, yeah. like some of the, like 300 years in the wilderness, obviously we sinned 300 years worth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. But, but, yeah. but is, Israel's sins are different. They're like, it's contractual stuff. Like oh, the, yeah. the, the entire point of the whole Yahweh thing was to have a God with a short menu of sins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not following the commandments, getting you know, like, okay, I'm going to give you four chances to follow these commandments. Here's exactly what's going to happen. If you don't follow the commandments, <laughs> you're, I've, you've been warned. And the greatest of those is not, not honoring the Sabbath in the sabbatical years. So ergo, mathematically, exile is the number of sabbatical years that yeah. you have not honored. Yeah, it's like the Ten Commandments are a document by which they can explain the times where God was not being nice. Right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's contractual in that Israel did not hold up its part of the bargain, did not adhere to the warnings, did not um, withhold, did not perform the correct rituals at the right times. That's a weird not, little... The Jubilees. Casual circular argument. Mm-hmm. Right. So you create the Jubilees, you create all, you know, this ritual when you don't follow it, that's when you are exiled so that you cannot perform those rituals because you, because the temple's destroyed. Imagining like my partner locking the door someday to the bedroom and saying, I can't come in and me saying, why? And he said, you know what you did. <laughs> right. Like we can't read your mind, God, use your words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess God does use his words sometimes. I think, I think again, Old Testament, like specifically Hebrew Old Testament sin, where you have a lot of these contractual falling short ofs, right? Mm -hmm. Where like David was, you know, like David did a lot of good things, but he said, he's like, David will not build the temple. Your son will build the temple, right? You can lead your people to the land of milk and honey, but you've sinned so much, you won't get to enter the land of milk and honey. But your people will. That was um, Moses. That was Moses. I went to Sunday school. <laughs> um, right. So it's like Moses, like the big father of all, like father of everything, you know, it's like didn't make it in because he didn't follow the contract. But it wasn't devastating to the people. We still got the land of milk and honey. Mm -hmm. So that's like I now kind of see that perspective more in the Old Testament of a missing the mark. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I hadn't really put two and two together that missing the mark also means not follow, not not hitting the exact time for ritual um, right. behaviors. Yeah. Not and and sacri and sacrifices. Right. So if you're a few minutes late, you've missed the mark. That's a sin. You're in a band. When, uh -huh. when the drummer starts and the guitar starts later, you're just like, well, there's your metaphor right there. That's right. Must, yeah. Uh -huh. Must reconcile. <laughs> One of us is going to have to change, but the song must go on. That's right. Yep. 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 Mm -hmm. And it, it's just, it's a battle of wills, really. At that point. <laughs> who, is the, who is the biggest diva is what it boils down to. <laughs> and then the sax jumps in. Uh-huh. And then all hell breaks loose. Because where'd that loose. sax come from? <laughs> There's not even a sax in your band. That's right. Who's, who's the sax guy? Who invited him? 
<laughs> he's playing yakety sax <laughs> over Bauhaus's uh, she's in parties. <laughs> oh, but I digress. I think that's what we do. Mm-hmm. The digressist yeah. podcast. So how do we get back from that? We were talking about missing the mark. Rituals. Missing the mark. So I think I think it's interesting that our word sin in English is so heavily tied into contractual law. Like mm-hmm. it is it is a word basically saying criminal act, breaking the law to your liege sort of thing. It's a very futile interpretation of a religious concept. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How does that carry further back than medieval? Because, I mean, all these things seem woven into the different concepts of sin that we get through the years. But most clear when we have like the definition laid out in front of us in Oxford. Let's look at Oxford. Let's look at Oxford. I think we already did. (laughs) Oh. I would say it does because we were just talking about uh, First and Second Temple. And there's a whole, again, this book that I read, Three Quarters of Sin and History, his his, uh, argument is that you can see a change in language from Bearing sin to sin being a, a debt, essentially, that needs to be repaid. Oh, and then we get to, into, this is, this is and a sacrificial language here we're talking about. Yes. Yeah, so, there needs to be ritual to pay that back or um, it can be a question of time. Exile is, is a punishment that, and that is sort of one-to-one like, okay, you did not honor the Jubilee years for this amount of time. Therefore, you'll make up for that in exile by this amount of time. And, you know, the very real like measuring of sin and creating a a balance, like there's a balance sheet, like God is an accountant accounting for your debts and the sacrifices, the rituals, the um, physical punishments, the devastation to the land for a certain amount of time. That is evening out God's balance sheets. Yes. <laughs> Does anybody have anything to say about that? It's specifically um, tied to, again, we have a word in Aramaic that shows up quite a bit or a phrase in Aramaic that he kind of pins a lot of this to, if I can find it. Anybody, anybody already know this word? I don't know um, this word. Is it chinar, a apricot, um, no, <laughs> artichoke. Uh-huh. Artichoke. Uh-huh, you were so close. Um, let's see, where's the word? Um, Nasadwan? I'm not sure if I'm saying it right. And this is Aramaic? Um, hold, uh, I could be wrong about that. It typically means to bear away a sin, but then we often see the Aramaic to remit a debt, which is spak hoba. But he talks about both those phrases, and I have to recall what Nasadwan actually is. Oh, yeah. We haven't really talked about debt as or sin as a debt. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a wormhole. There is indeed a wormhole. I would look this up in the book, but I had a Adobe Digital Editions version that was missing. Like, it was just, don't ever use digital uh, Adobe Digital Editions. It's terrible. No, there's no way of knowing. I'll have to figure out what language that was. But so there's also discussion about like that sort of shifts into this Aramaic phrase. Uh, so we go from sin being born to sin requiring the remittance of a debt. Uh, 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 not a transgression, but a... Uh, so not a trans... 
progression so much as a like skipping out on the bill <laughs> or missing the mark and not uh, well like if you miss the mark mm-hmm. let's say you let's say you have a goal and you fall short of the goal mm-hmm. whereas this how it's kind of like an accountability right there's a fine that comes with it there's a there are repercussions right yeah it's it's kind of uh in some ways it's very it's like financial natural consequences like okay so you have you're you've you've you're in the you're in the red here and so how right. are you going to get out of the red you don't have the money to buy yourself out of the red in in, in the real in, in the physical world here when you can't buy your way out of debt you become a debt slave or you get your land taken away mm. and so you rely on either paying off the debt through punishment through the slave labor or through either somebody buying your land for you, um, therefore, you know, uh, bearing your bearing your um, debt for you, or you wait a certain amount of time because and, and uh, the practice at this time was if you wait a certain amount of time, like a, during a jubilee year, debts are often forgiven up to the in the discretion of whoever the monarch is at that time, but also it eventually becomes God who makes that decision where debts are forgiven. It seems like a lot of the, a lot of the language and writing around this in like old Testament was emphasizing the weight of sin versus other people, mm-hmm. which I mean, it's, that's a good societal model, but also like sins against people are much more measurable than sins against God. Like King Solomon lost everything because he sacrificed six locusts. Um, right, it's just, right, it's highly, exactly. Highly contextual, mm-hmm. um, but human stuff is a little more, you know, eye for an eye transactional parity is easy to establish for the most part. Mm-hmm. And right. it's par- parity with a T, not a D. And this is yes. kind of where regret versus remorse comes in because mm. part of Solomon's thing was that he did that consciously and without remorse. He probably regretted it, but there was no remorse involved. So he wasn't taking ownership of his transgression. Right. And there was sex. And there was sex. (laughs) One one assumes. (laughs) Right. One assumes. So here's a good quote from this book. Um, Human sins have consequences. When individuals disobey moral law, a tangible form of evil is created in the world that must be accounted for. And this is even more true when a whole society goes astray. Hmm. So human wickedness has a cost. And it becomes greater. Your debt increases the more it affects other people and your community at large. This really invokes the green slime from the beginning. Okay. Yeah. So, the, the, when the green slime, when you actually, when it rubs off on other people. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. You're I have something about rubbing arc. later. Oh, gross. <laughs> it's lighthearted. It's a lighthearted rubbing story. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, the green slime, right? If it's covering you, that's one thing. But if it kind of oozes onto other people, that's a whole other thing. Right, right, right. When is approvable evil? Mm-hmm. While I was doing research, I called my uh, Indian languages scholar friend and kind of said, what are the Vedic texts interpretations of sin? Um, because I kind of wanted a comparison point. And fundamentally, he said that sin is just very different from how Abrahamic religions interpret it because it's something that it ties you in the cycle of reincarnation and prevents you from escaping the world. 
Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it doesn't like there aren't there are bad sins, there are minor sins, but all of them just kind of keep you here and bind you to this place as opposed to letting you escape. There's no like immediate smiting. Right. Nobody's there's, smited. There's yeah. some very colorful smiting, mm-hmm. but but I mean even the smiting probably keeps you here somehow as well. Yeah, yeah. So can I tell you a little bit about what I learned about the sure. native sure. Oh, smiting? Uh, yes. Well, so. so First, we have to talk about the uh, their version of a scapegoat. Story. Oh, right, right, right. So, I don't know this one. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this all see this is this is part of so who is a sinner? So we kind of start maybe with who is a sinner, and so there are four types: uh, stealers of gold. Killer of a Brahmin. Brahmins are going to be very important here. Yeah. Killing a Brahmin is like a major thing. Yeah. Um, Drinkers of liquor and he who has sex with his guru's wife. Okay. So we're going to unpack some of these a little later. But sometimes there's a fifth one, the guy who hangs out with these guys. So the kind of like, you know, dude who does not, who just goes along for the ride and doesn't try to prevent other people from sinning. But this goes back to... The whole idea of, just like you said, killing a Brahmin is the worst possible sin. That is the tippy top of sins. But this whole line of Vedic sins can be, there's a a tale of a scapegoat that explains this lineage. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, the, the whole idea, the upshot is that the sins of the gods were wiped onto the scapegoat Trita who then transfers the sins to human beings. So, Oh, it's wait, kind of- that's not right. <laughs> but, but wait, there's more. So, just a little back story. Um, so, the god Indra, um, Trita is either Indra's companion or potentially a double of Indra. And uh, Indra expressed a desire to kill the three-headed monster of Visvarupa. Do you know Visvarupa? Okay. Okay. So, in order to save Idra from that sin, Trita killed the monster, therefore therefore bearing the sin of Indra. Okay, so the god, that's the first transference of the sin from the gods onto the scapegoat. But then it doesn't stop there. So, this is a quote. Um, from the one of the Vedic doc, uh, Vedic books, Matriana Samta. Um, I know I probably butchered that, but so the gods wiped off their guilt upon them. And there's the uh, Trita plus the companions of Trita, Kata and Dvada, and they in turn wiped themselves upon one who was overtaken by the rising sun, i.e., one over whom the sun had risen while he was asleep. This one wiped himself upon one who was overtaken by the setting sun. He, that guy, wiped his sins upon the one with brown teeth. He upon one with diseased nails. He upon one that had married a younger sister before the older sister was married. He upon whose younger brother had married before himself. He upon who had slain a man. He upon who had committed an abortion. Beyond him who has committed an abortion, the sin does not pass. I thought these were going downhill in sins. They were going uphill in sins. Yes. So you have. And the reason why abortion is the greatest sin here 
is because there's killing, killing a Brahmin is the greatest sin. Killing a potential, an, an embryo that could potentially be a Brahmin, also a terrible, terrible sin. Wait, I thought a Brahmin was a cow. No, Brahmins are the tippy. So this is all about the caste system. So Brahmins are the tippy top. And so I think Bra- Brahmin is also just kind of like a blessed, a blessed sainty sort of thing too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. kind of, yeah. So they're at the tippy top of the, of the caste system. And right. They're kind of in line with Kings and, and uh, priests. And so I, I need to check this. Okay. B-R-A-H-M-A-N is like, oops, sorry. I need to check this. B-R-A-H-M-A-N, I think. It's kind of like high holy or a diva or an incarnation of God. And I know an awful lot of Vedic myths kind of begin with, and then they did something bad to a Brahmin in, in, with mm. that spelling. Mm-hmm. Like, and so that kind of carries this divine curse down. Is that is that the word you're using? Um, I am using B R A H M I N. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay, okay, okay. I assume that's different somehow. Yeah. So they're uh, Brahmin. Um, Brahmins are members of the highest social and spiritual class. So they're typically priests and teachers. Can be spiritual guides, but they preach about Dharma, and they do perform ceremonies for. Okay, that, that helps. I was okay. getting kind of, I was starting to get myself confused. Oh, no, it's very confusing. <laughs> so I should have specified Brahmin with an I. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. Um, but so that is the, that is kind of the scapegoat story here, um, outlining kind of the hierarchy of sins and the ones in the middle, the, or the ones about marriage and potentially the teeth and the nails. Like a lot of this also has to do with ritual and cleanliness, obviously with the teeth and the nails. But there's also some, um, some scholars think that the teeth and the nails have to do with crimes like theft with the nails and alcoholism with the teeth. Okay. Yes. I think fundamentally, I think the takeaway is that sin accretes on you. Mm-hmm. Through whatever you do, through dealing with the world and escaping that is escaping all social interactions and uh, it's a very aesthetic sort of mindset. So, like, there's many ways for sin to stick to you mm-hmm. and that will keep you in this incarnation cycle. And to escape it, you have to escape an awful lot of stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because uh, this article that I got a lot of this stuff from, I looked at two separate articles, but the one that I got the most from is, well, it's actually a chapter of a book called Vedic Cosmology and Ethics. And the chapter is um, Sin and Vices, Their Enumerations and Specifications in the Veda. And it's by Hank Bodowitz. But um, essentially, (laughs) the articles, you know, a Vedic work and then how sins are listed in that Vedic work and a lot of times they're not necessary. There's a lot of alignment with our cardinal sin or the Abrahamic cardinal sins, but there are a lot of things that are not necessarily sins so much as just miseries, like things that befall people like old age. So baldness, um, you know, weariness, et cetera, are 
in that list, but it has nothing to do with somebody being responsible for those things. It's things enacted upon them Um, that lead to misery and sorrow. Yeah, being old sucks. Right, exactly. So there are things that people can't really do anything about. (laughs) But But, there's a yeah, go ahead. But if it prevents you from being reincarnated. See, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, being being reincarnated is bad. Oh no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. You went off the wheel. Mm-hmm. So can continue this, you know, being um yeah, continuing to be brought back. Right. You know? So these sorrows and, and pains are things that are attachments as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So anything that attaches you to the world and and things that are too much of the world. Like anything because there are contradictory ones, like liking something too much, not liking something enough, you know, um, there are crime, there are transgressions, you know, that are divided, you know, into ones of passion, um, ones of anger, um, just different categories for things that all have to do seemingly with attachment. Hmm. Being too attached or not attached enough, like anything that's excessive. Um, places, places where this really kind of goes against our idea of sins is all these things do, quote unquote, is keep you on this world, which is a world of suffering. And right. there, mm-hmm. and even if you die and you go to a hell, it's a temporary setback hell, not a permanent hell. So, unlike this idea of like kind of eternal damnation that you can get with too much sin in Judeo Christian land, these are just different ways of saying the same thing. It is very hard to escape th- this world, and very hard to get off the wheel. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. maybe maybe nobody can, but uh, a very special few can. Yeah. And so just going, continuing with the whole rubbing of sins <laughs> down to or up to the worst possible sin. Like I said, the ones regarding marriage were transgressions uh, or being careless about socio-religious rituals and rules. But the major sins that in the, the sins consult, uh, considered major sins in the Vedas all kind of revolve around transgressions against the Brahmin, um, Brahmins. And so killing, of course, we talked about killing Brahmin in either embryonic or adult form is bad. Uh, it's a sin, but killing in general is not a sin because oftentimes killing just has to happen. So any killing in battle. Yes, I know that's true in Texas. Yeah. So, you know, any, any, any killing that happens in battle is not considered a transgression. And the whole idea of battle is pretty loosely defined. So having hatred, like uh, essentially having pretty serious beef with somebody will kind of cover any any murder that happens. So... Yeah, I, I battled with my boss this week about whether or not I could, you know, leave early on Friday. Mm-hmm. Right. So, but it's, I think it's, it's a little bit more intense that, but you know, there is, it's pretty loosely defined murder of Brahmins are the only, <laughs> that's the only thing that really matters, but also stealing is also uh, related to that because theft generally means of gold or cattle and cattle, it's not it's cattle. You lose cattle for a variety of reasons, not just theft. And Theft of cattle tends to be not an individual transgression. It usually is kind of a you know a group of people doing it. But gold is the only thing that can be stolen, and this because 
the Brahmin tend to be the ones who have gold, this is a sin against them. Uh, this, is, this reminds me of why Nietzsche drove me away from Christianity is because like all of the religious um, transgressions were transgressions against the rich on some level. Right. Like so, thou shalt not, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not murder. Um, all of the Ten Commandments are basically ways, according to Nietzsche, of kind of just keeping you in line with the religion that's the dominant state power. Right. Yeah. And ah, I'm back in college again. Oh, and this is, you're going to hate this then. And you're not wearing pants. <laughs> yes, strangely, he didn't wear pants in college either. <laughs> I wore pajamas. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so, stealing a cow, still, I mean, if, again, if you do steal a Brahms cow, like, that's not, that's not good. But not giving a Brahmin a cow when he wants one, also a sin. Yeah, basically stealing from something that he... Deserves. Should have. Right, yeah. exactly. And again, I'm going to I'm going to just throw this caveat out there like this is knowledge that I've gleaned from reading two articles. Okay. So <laughs> It may be more complicated than that. It may be more so I'm I'm simplifying for the sake of our our uh, medium. Um but drinking alcohol also. So these are kind of in order. Drinking alcohol, it's not really a major sin except that it is something that should be abstain from for kings or the Brahmin, but there was uh, the prohibition against liquor actually was not um, in the older Veda, um, Vedic literature, because that was seen as kind of a religious act or, or a socio-religious drinking uh, Soma and Sura. But later that became an understanding of like Sura, which is like liquor, liquor was untruth and Soma, which is a fermented drink that was part of religious ritual is truth. So mm. it's kind of the profane and sacred. So anybody who is sort of drinking outside of that religious context, that's a sin. And doing it excessively to where you get brown teeth. Going to adultery. So illicit sexual intercourse is, is considered one of the major sins. Oh, I thought okay. you just said sleeping with your guru's wife. So that is part of it. That is the main one. So you can sleep with anybody else except her. Well, see, you're getting close. <laughs> you're, you're honing in on the right thing. So in several Vedic pieces, in, in Vedic literature, several, several ones, uh, sex with the wife of the guru is the, um, is the major sin. And that's exactly like that tends to be what this means. But it's unclear what that actually means. Is it, is it literally sex with your teacher's wife? Is it incest where the son is sleeping with their father's wife, their mother? Is it something else? Like, what does this really actually mean? So, that's unclear. And so, just for the record, your guru can sleep with your wife. You just can't sleep with his. That kind of depends on how metaphorically this is being interpreted, it sounds like. Exactly. Well, I'm applying to be a guru next month. Mm-hmm. But okay. it also has to do with um, purity because if you're if you're being taught like if you're in the Brahmin, you know if you're if you're undergoing training to become this kind of priestly figure, then you need to remain pure. And also, sleeping with another woman or sleeping with a woman is not part of your training. So therefore, it also is a transgression. But it's unclear if other forms of incest are okay. If we do take the incest meaning of this, 
And adultery, apart from the whole guru thing, doesn't seem to be a serious sin because, as long as it's talked about truthfully. But the issue here is that women are known to be untruthful. They are associated with untruth. And also they're highly devalued. So why would you care <laughs> if your wife is sleeping with someone else? So strangely hmm. enough, that just wasn't, that's not really a part of the definition of illicit sexual activity. But I think the, the whole point of this is just that we do have some similarities with what we call cardinal sins. It's just that they are very specific to sins against a certain socio, a, a certain caste here. So again, is it really sin in the eyes of going against or distancing from God? Or is it kind of sin against the culture, sin against the community? Sin against, sin against the people that hold means of production. Sin against authority, yeah. yeah. So, right. And can you can you tell the difference ultimately? I think that's what the Ten Commandments kind of boil down to is right. Mm -hmm. these, these things maintain the power structure and, and status quo. Yeah, ultimately. right. Yeah, so there's a political reason for this rather than strictly religious one. With that, let me, let me do this two ways. So, one, name a sin that isn't a crime. And two, name a crime that isn't a sin. Name a sin that isn't a crime. Mm -hmm. Okay. Name a crime that isn't a sin. So, in what, um, what box of sins are we pulling from? Uh, your choice. <laughs> Dealer's choice of, of sins. Sleeping with um, the guru. Is it a sin? Well, currently, currently, blasphemy is protected by the First Amendment. Oh, okay. That, okay. Good point. Mm -hmm. now, there are blasphemy laws in America, but they're rare. So, certainly around here, mm -hmm. there's no strong rules against swearing or blaspheming generally. Doing it loudly in public might be considered a disturbance of the peace. But there are not words, there are not rules in texts, as far as I know, protecting us from having our God blasphemed. But so, so here's, a, here's a little very persnickety thing to ask. But so when you say blasphemy, that's not, that, that's not one of the seven deadly sins, but it's a commandment. Yeah. And it kind of fits into the whole sin of pride, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, so false idols. False idols are are pretty safe now. I mean, mm -hmm. I think that in, in, in our country, we're largely like the false idol thing is not on the table because. Right. Because like we, you know, think about like Taylor Swift. Yeah. Celebrities are false idols. Oh, and, I was thinking yeah. Abe Lincoln on the $5 bill. Like he's everywhere. Well, we don't worship him, but. We worship Taylor Swift. Yeah, we totally worship is, Taylor this Swift. Is, this is true. Or or just, you know, less 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 amusingly, um, it is perfectly safe to be a pagan or a Hindu or any other non Judeo Christian religions in most parts of America now. Yeah. That's a sin <laughs> that is not a crime. Right, right. Yeah. Let's see. Okay, so what about a crime that is not a sin? Oh, well, in Texas, possession of marijuana is a crime. Is that a sin? Wouldn't think so, um, but it's in. It's maybe just didn't make it in the Bible at the time. But well, again, if you're if you're not smoking it, if smoking is a sin, fine. If you're just baking your pot into brownies, that's not a sin. Yeah. 
Ooh, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that slavery is a crime that isn't a sin. Let's Ooh, think about that. That's a mean, that's a mean spirited thing to do, but Ooh. I feel like it's a legitimate statement. But here Which we go. Which the commandments. So, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I'm just thinking again about the whole idea Ooh. of sin as debt and sort of the like slavery becoming a debt slave is a way to pay off your debt right. sin or and a we, legitimate financial sin or yeah, de- de- debit, you know. Um, and we did establish that stealing someone's wages, which slavery probably counts as, is, is theft. And it's violence against another person because imprisonment is violence against a person. Uh, jaywalking. Mm. So that's a yes. You're endangering yourself? Not, not necessarily. But there's no cars on, there. Yeah, it's still jaywalking. Mm-hmm. Okay. Some more sort of lighthearted ones from the Vedic literature are things like perplexity, um, confusion, uh, gossip, baldness. Baldness. Oh, gossip. Gossip. That is a sin that, a sin that is not a crime. Uh-huh. Right. Except when you get to libel and slander. Yeah, that's a little different. Mm-hmm. But yeah, basically just, just kibitzing is, mm-hmm. is, is safe and protected by law. Right. Okay. 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 So we're, we're good there. <laughs> Thank God. Because that's, that's all. I mean, really, like everything kind of boils down to gossip, right? Yeah. Gossiping think, with the zoo animals. <laughs> I, I think our next major discussion is going to be on lust. Is that, is that the next sin up? For Valentine's I, Day? Oh, yeah, it might actually be just right about then. That's perfect. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, excellent. Okay. How nice. (laughs) (laughs) I do not like Valentine's Day. I think we've discussed this before. It's it's amongst the many holidays I don't like. I know. I've been to your anti-Valentine's Day things. Mm, That's right. You have. You have. Uh Unfortunately, we don't have one this year, but the spirit will live on. (laughs) So, until then, dear readers, uh, I believe that we will see you in hell. Yay! Yay! Until the Pope uh, empties it out and we're out of a job. Right, right, right. Or we have a much bigger office space. I was going to say, like, you can't evict squatters. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Bye. This podcast is copyright 2023 by The Dispatchist and is Creative Commons. You're welcome to reuse with attribution. Look for us on your favorite podcast app. Say hi to us on Twitter or Gmail at The Dispatchist, no spaces. Check out our website, dispatch.ist, for episodes, show notes, and a variety of hellish resources.